Okay, man, are we are we doing this? We're about to talk about <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. Yeah. Oh fuck, man, what a doozy! <laughs> Off the Polar Express, right? Into, so okay, it's it's not it's not going to be as bad as the Polar Express, so we shouldn't be that terrified, probably. Um, uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It is like it's up there, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's more. I mean, yeah. Some, you know, it's more realistic. It's it's more tied into the real world this movie mm. i think then polar express is this complete fantasy thing you know absolutely um, sonic's yeah. like running around <laughs> like san francisco like you know it's very like in, in the world so yeah 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 no and, and i think even in its um in its attitudes uh it's slightly more like grounded than <laughs> the polar express which which feels like like an alien sort of uh you know absolutely landscape or something but uh so anyway yeah i'm not sure how to start with this um sonic the movie <laughs> it's did you play the games growing up right i did but only like at friends houses i never had like a mega drive of my own you were a Nintendo um, kid, is that right? I was a Nintendo kid. And it's funny, though, I keep forgetting this, but, and I don't know if we've ever spoken about this, but I was actually obsessed with Sonic. As a character. Yeah, as a character. I used to read the Sonic comics, I think. Oh, there cool. Were yeah. Sonic I, yeah. comic books. Um, and I had like a... I must have watched the cartoon. I guess okay. I did watch the cartoon. Yeah. And I also, I had these like, like whenever I could find, I, it's funny, man, because this is an era of my life that I have very little conscious access to. I have no idea why I was so obsessed with Sonic, but I remember that I, I would just buy merchandise, like Sonic merchandise, if I could, if I found it. Like, that's, I had that's all, so awesome. Yeah, yeah. All different kinds of like Sonic, like erasers and pencils and, and shit like that. Um... <laughs> And yet, I, should, I never really yeah played the games. I played the shit out of those games as a kid because we <laughs> we were a Sega house, and uh, when we bought, it was I remember exactly the model. It was the Mega Drive Two. It was the one that they redesigned with like the double red buttons on the front, and it looked mean. Uh, it well, actually, this is rather interesting. I think that the Sega aesthetic differentiated itself from Nintendo precisely by being more sexual, you know? It was like trying to be more adult and like teenage oriented. It was going to be like the action arcade console where you could play Mortal Kombat with the real blood, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it evoked those kinds of things in the look of it. It was black, like leather, like the interior of a car or like a yeah. BDSM suit. It had that sleekness to it. It looked like Catwoman almost with those double red eyes on the front of it, you know? It just yeah. screamed that kind of stuff. And then it had this sound chip in it that, that was this Yamaha FM chip that was gnarly. Like, like it just, no matter what you did with it almost, it kind of ended up sounding like heady, heavy metal, you know? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah, not, yeah. That's not really true, but, like, it's so easy to make this, like, eh, 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 like, 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 digi guitar, like, heavy metal shit on that chip. And so many of those games did. It really, 
it was from a time when game consoles had aesthetics that ran between all of the games by virtue of decisions that were made in the hardware. So there was like, to me growing up, Sega was like a world with distinct traits. And it was this world of like speed and like adultness and sexuality and action and violence. <laughs> and also like immersive psychedelics and sleek futuristic tech and yeah, uh, and yeah heavy metal motorcycles and like cool leather jacket wearing kids with sunglasses and like dinosaurs, yeah. you know, that was, yeah. and Sonic who was like, who kind of combines all that together. Doesn't he? He's spiky. And you know, mm. he's, he's a little rude and uh, um, he's just the anti Mario. He's so full of kind of nineties, like, like rad oh. attitude, you know? Yeah. Um, he's like Bart Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more than anything you know i don't know mm. that's funny man because like i was just um <laughs> thinking about wario recently um, oh yeah I, I watched the first one or two i still need to go through oh yeah no i, I just like um it was funny to me because i kept noticing that his games are spikier than mario games like yes, a lot of yes, the totally, yeah a lot of the backgrounds are just uh, spikes and then the enemies have a lot of spikes on them. And I was thinking, this is funny because this is clearly an attempt to differentiate Wario from Mario. Mario is not spiky. Yeah. Smooth mountain. You know, Wario is like, it's like some crazed sadist, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like what it looks like, you know? I don't know. No, yeah, exactly. I I, I love that um aspect of the... The sexuality. Oh, to you're it right. Well. That's so interesting because it, it it is like it kind of um it unpacks or emphasizes a latent aspect of Mario, which mm. is that Mario is this hero and it's like this this like pretend nice world, but he sure spends a lot of time like killing things. You know, <laughs> he's just running around like stomping on little creatures. Like it, there's a violence like hidden in it. You know. Um, yeah. And Wario like brings it to the surface. That's great. Yeah. And, 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 and like, um, Wario enjoys being, not enjoys, but like, when, when he's... <laughs> Wario enjoys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny, like, because when he gets hit by enemies, um, he doesn't get hurt. It just gives him, like, superpowers, like... Um, oh, that's a detail I had not remembered. Interesting. So, like, if he's, if he's, like, squashed by a giant rock he just becomes flat wario and he's like a thin piece of paper oh that's, that's so cool wow so then there's a kind of like a you so know yeah, like that's roger like, rabbit kind of. yeah 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 weird um, they invert the mechanics that have to do with mario's violence mm -hmm. so mario is outwardly safe but mechanically he kills all these things and, it, and it's like they would kill him it's like this war violence thing but somehow with with wario he's outwardly evil but at the mechanical level the enemies do the inverted thing they don't hurt him they give him powers you know i guess it's also yeah. like a like a suffering extraction thing potentially like he's like drinking their blood in a way like he's a, <laughs> he's gaining ability uh -huh. on the basis you know it's yes. not just a oh. 
not just a utilitarian kind of kill that Mario does. Mario's just trying to get from A to B. He's trying to get to Peach. <laughs> so funny yeah. that game. Um, Wario, Wario savors each kill in some way. <laughs> right, fuck, I have to think about that. But mainly, I, I was like mentioning it because it's funny to me how Sonic then it, it does something similar in, in terms of the... the the aggressive yes. spiky yes, yes. um look which then yeah exists in like in in response or in, in dialectical sort of response to mario in this weird way totally like uh, compared <laughs> to mario sonic games are, are just like slaughters you know you just rip mm. through enemies at like the speed of light you know <laughs> rapid succession of like <laughs> sprites exploding everywhere they, they get around that by making it this weird thing where they're, they're robots and you're liberating the animal within, you know? It's a yeah. really strange aspect of Sonic, I think. You're not ever really killing anything technically, but it's still like visually violent. Yeah. It's explosions hitting these creatures, you know? I don't know. Dude, it's so weird, man, because like War Wario has this, the same thing where um, in one of the games, like, at the end, it's just revealed that all the enemies were just villagers who'd been, you know, transformed into enemies. Oh. Um, and so I just find it funny that both Sonic and Wario, as like opposites <laughs> of Mario, yeah. um, end up reversing, end up existing in a reversed world from Mario's. Totally, um, that's fascinating. <laughs> well, with, with Mario and Wario, it's literally like rotating the M gives you the other name, you know. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, yeah. W. Uh, Mario, does Wario precede or follow Sonic chronologically? I almost wonder, is Wario like Nintendo's response to Sega's like oh, 90s shit. attitude, you know? Okay, I'm going to look that up. But And while I look that up, um, I just want to say, like, I find it interesting also how Dr. Robotnik mm. is this, like, red, he's dressed in red, and he's oh, got a big God, mustache. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit Santa. Yeah, right, right. Like, he feels like a Mario. Um, I, I don't think, you know, there's probably not a lot to, like, a lot of... Oh, like, they made Mario the villain. Yeah, it's true. He does... Yeah, that's weird. Robotnik ends up looking a bit like Wario, actually. Mm-hmm. It's like evil Mario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. As, as well, then, of, and yeah. in the film, Dr. Robotnik ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> so it is like Mario connected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and like you were saying, I think you, you, you said um, in the chat that so Sonic's in the movie says, I hate mushrooms. And he kind mm -hmm. of like, he kind of, you know, he looks at the camera and it's like a self-aware moment of, oh, I hate mushrooms. It's, it's totally, yeah, it yeah. It seems like a kind of reference to Mario. Um, so then I agree. Yeah. That's so interesting that, that Robotnik ends up in the Mario world because he's like the villain. So Sonic can't exist in the Mario world. The villain exists in the Mario world and the villain kind of low-key looks like Mario because he's dressed in red and has a big mustache. <laughs> it's yeah, sort yeah. of like... Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that. I'm kind of... It's coming to my head 
as I'm thinking, but <laughs> it's sort of uh, weird. Mm. Yeah. So. So. Oh, and I, I yeah, I, like Wario, the first Wario Land game is 1994, uh, which, and Sonic, the first Sonic is 1993. So I don't know. There could be, even if, maybe it's not conscious, but maybe the there's The first Sonic was soft. 93? Really? God, that's so late. I almost don't believe you. I'm going to confirm it. Oh, you're right. No, that's I thought wrong. it was 91 or, or 90. Uh, yes, I I think I got that completely wrong. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm revealing what a Sonic nerd I am. I like, I'm, pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty confident it's 1991. Let's see. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, it's interesting anyway. I, yep. 90, 91. I love these timeline things. Um, so that means that Sonic uh, comes way before Wario, like by a number of years, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I really want, I really wonder if it isn't weird, like, a weird reaction to Sonic. That's that's funny. Right, that's funny. I wonder if, if Wario's design. It must be on some level, like like Sonic obliterated Nintendo's sales in North America. Mm-hmm. That 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 Christmas season when when the Genesis was released and Sonic won shipped with it or whatever, that that they actually overtook sales of the NES. Like, they were the most popular console for a couple of years, I think. Uh, in the US. So it was big, com- yep. big competition for Nintendo. M- more than they must have been like terrified of Sonic. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, the Super Nintendo wasn't out yet. You know, the Super Nintendo was still a few years away. Sega already had the 16-bit system. Like it was doing stuff you really couldn't do on the NES, speed-wise and all that. Blast processing, as they called it. Mm. Hilarious. Blast processing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. This is so strange, man, because, like, Dr. Robotnik... So, okay, Dr. Robotnik, from what I can see, is actually closer to Wario than I thought. Like, his nose is red. Uh, yeah, he's pretty close, yeah. That's like, really it's funny. All, I, I hadn't thought of that before. It's almost the same idea. It's this big red nose separating the, these two halves of a spiky mustache. Um, and then... Wario's first actual appearance as a character was 1992 in Super Mario Land 2. He's like the villain. Oh, shit, dude. That's funny. This is funny because this it seems so obvious now as I'm talking about it that it must have, it, someone must have talked about this. But like Mario Land 2 is all about Wario taking over Mario Land. Like he just... Oh, he, he, interesting. Huh. Which obviously seems about like Sonic beating them <laughs> yeah that's interesting that's okay well weird. so anyway. funny this is all ancient video game history you know today <laughs> these two companies get along sonic is on nintendo platforms and all this stuff so i wow. never would have imagined that that would that would have broken my heart actually as a, as a little sega loving nine-year-old for all i was um i would have been like devastated to learn that sega was going to go bankrupt basically and never make hardware again and then nintendo would kind of take pity on them and allow sonic to exist on their on their platforms you know yeah yeah 
yeah it's strange yeah i'd love to read about this history like just because because it's it's so weirdly sinky the history itself of these companies yeah, and like, yeah how they're interacting with each other and like you said like the say the mega drive is so clearly like um it's design it's a sort of sexual futurism thing yes yes absolutely uh which is looking to the future kind of thing uh nintendo sometimes like feels like a like purposefully nostalgic yes yes i don't know like, totally yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I loved Nintendo growing up too, but it was just the opposite situation from you. Like Nintendo was something I played at friends' houses. At home, we had the Sega stuff. <laughs> but so anyway, let's yeah <laughs> let's open up the film in earnest. We could just talk about just video game stuff forever. <laughs> we actually it wouldn't be a bad idea to do an episode, maybe completely just mm. about sync and video games, and you know, not even looking at a particular game, but just I think there's a lot to think about there as a as a topic. Because I almost want to start talking now about like what a moment in history it was. Like the moving image on the television set was becoming interactive, and like this was mm. the first generation of consoles where you could really, really have a fantasy with the TV, like a, like in an interactive way. Because the Atari stuff was too, too simple still. But I fell into like that Sonic world as a little kid. I, I lived in there. Mm. It really. It influenced the way I interact with television sets. It wasn't a computer I, screen. It was the TV. It was the same place you watch movies. So they, I don't know, it was something about it. But, yeah. but, but, you know, <laughs> we should actually well, talk about the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shit. It's, it's funny, though. I mean, I, <laughs> I, can, I can maybe, you know, relate this to the movie in some way. But I, I think okay. we've go, mentioned go sometimes... I think like it's come up how there may be some link between the emergence of video games and the the <laughs> the birth of synchromysticism, so to speak, because yeah. it not for everyone probably, but it feels as if the existence of video games in people's childhoods, in the childhoods of the kind of people who now are into sync which like like you know people who are into sync nowadays i think the type of synchromysticism that we're sort of used to uh, it's it's people who've lived through video games somehow maybe i don't know like obviously you know people were doing it before and jung was doing it but th there's sure. some thing about the fact that well, uh, Jung was playing like a video game in his head, you know, that like, is what active imagination is, basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so, so I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It feels as if there is some way, like you said, about grabbing the screen and treating it as something that you can getting used, getting accustomed to the idea that the screen is a place where you can interact with the no generation before ours had any experience like this like a like the closest thing would have been like a puppet or something or a doll you know but we had we had a fantasy character fantasy toy character that was alive it was autonomous in some way mm. i mean you took control of sonic but sonic existed in a dynamic world that 
reflected him, you know? Mm. Everything was slopes because Sonic could go into a ball. So this Sonic and his world were this quasi-autonomous living thing. <laughs> a fantasy of a of a sort that previously human beings could have only had in a dream state. We got to have those in a waking state with technology. <laughs> it's just Dude. really in- interesting, you know. I think it's huge. So I would I would I would expect Sync to be like deep in the history of those companies for that reason. It's like an important event in consciousness or something. The, the emergence of that kind of technology. Ah, ha, ha, ha. We were right there at the beginning of it. Like, I mean, really, like, we're right there historically. So, whatever it is. That's crazy, because you just opened up, I think, like, the the two sort of most important, like, (laughs) things I want to say about the movie right now, which is... Oh, (laughs) great. Yeah, because on the one hand... That was my intention all along. Just kidding. (laughs) There's this weird interplay in the movie between green hills as the garden of eden almost like this perfect world where everything is just in a flow state kind of thing like in a a dream Mm -hmm. uh and then there's this ominous inkling of a terrible future represented by robotnik's technology yes but then of course like you said, the, the the movie and it really scares me. By the way, I think there's some, there's some <laughs> terrifying like imagery in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's um, it's very. It, I I agree. It's one of those films where it feels like it's talking about something that is too close to home yes. to see yes. properly. Yes, totally. Whereas, like a lot of '80s movies, like are. Uh, I think they're comfortable to watch um, as uh, for sync purposes because you can see them from a distance. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's hard with modern. I mean, I, I almost don't watch new movies anymore, frankly. <laughs> I really don't. Like, I, I think I kind of avoid them. Like, especially if it's like, hey, like a social thing. Like, oh, let's go see this movie. Like, no, I'll, I'll set that one out. Thanks. You know. I don't want to watch a movie with other people. <laughs> Not a modern movie. Are you crazy? Modern movies are insane. You can't digest those with a group. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it's true though. Like, if if we consider cinema to have this, I mean, it's maybe not just this or only this, or the metaphor is not exhaustive or something, but like. There is some way in which cinema is a is a drug, like it's a it's a it's a media drug, you know. And we've so we've totally just been like increasing like the potency and like the heaviness of that drug and like the ease of delivery of that drug and like you know just relentlessly over the last thirty years. <laughs> so we have created some terrible like supercharged fantasy technology that. That is, I don't know. It's you know, and and now we're now we're about to glue these fucking things onto our heads and, and VR our, our way into an even more intense relationship with it. You know, yeah, eeks. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. I mean, that's uh, God. My my kind of my mind is racing at the moment, but um, yeah, me too. I that... hate. I, see, I hate thinking about this stuff. Technology is so scary. It's like a big. <laughs> Big weird plant taking over the world. <laughs> there's, just, there's much we can do about it. And it, it's strange because this film is 
simultaneously like trying to 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 do some sort of a critique <laughs> of yeah which, which i thought was so neat because the games mm. do that too with the whole like he's roboticizing the forest creatures like it was like an environmentalist game kind of or something. oh totally and a bit a bit anti-technology which was so interesting to see that sitting on a piece of brand new ultra sleek hyper modern technology sega used it to tell you a little myth about the dangers of technology in some way it was you know yes. that was so so cool and so, so to see the movie continue that but in a more considered cinematic kind of way i thought that was a great move on their part that's funny yeah i hadn't thought of that it is it's the same kind of idea and like you say it's funny because then it's this sort of you know slick 2020 movie or maybe it's 2019 i can't remember but it's this slick slick sort of movie telling you about technology but it it is itself a a piece of very advanced animation technology. and special yeah, yeah, effects totally. sort of uh really it is like i i think that that's yeah. sequence in the the pit the piston pit you know yeah, yeah. is virtuosic cg stuff like it, it's, it's very so strange cool the way they've done it like sonic moves around and you see him casting shadows and the light is shifting around on like on these completely stationary human figures it's just it's gorgeous i love it yeah no it's it's, it's very strange i mean it's because it, like exactly i don't think i'd seen a sequence he, like, like that he like slides through these like galaxies of like pretzels and and like other like <laughs> fast food things just like hovering in the air and like the sound too like when he moves through them like you hear this like the foley it's just like this hyper like crisp like crinkly sounds as you move through the press like they're like immersing you in the objects of this scene in a way that kind of anticipates a vr thing or something like it's almost like what I wish I could do in a movie scene, like pause it and then just zoom around it is like what they're doing as an action sequence. <laughs> They've like paused an action sequence and now they're having like a meta action sequence embedded within like an instant of this larger scene. Like what a God, cool, like, yeah. like, wow, that's fucking awesome. Like I had no right to get something so cool as a Sonic fan in a Sonic movie. It's actually interesting cinema, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah, and that's funny because it, it it does seem as if the the future of action scenes, <laughs> like <laughs> it's as if it's as if this movie is saying that that for an action scene to be more intense, like it it doesn't just need more punches and more kind of action. It no, it, it needs, needs to more reach, complexity or something. Yeah, it it it. it it needs to reach this sort of boiling point um, where you pause the action and oh, yeah. and look at it carefully. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure we, we can get into this, but that's one of the w reasons, like, like, like you said, that, that this the scene in particular, this movie seems to be about <laughs> sync again, in the sense it seems to be about like the the fact that as technology increases its its like capabilities you can't help but 
yes go to these places especially because the big other thing going on in this movie is robotnik using technology to track sonic through the extraction of subtle environmental evidences like his footprints and hair samples and etc you know the movie's talking about like analysis of things analysis of patterns like all the time basically because of that because that's this like big plot moving thing in the movie is robotic tracking the animal oh fuck that's funny i hadn't thought of that right so there's these two things happening side by side where sonic it's a movie that shows it shows you cameras like moving around through space so these drones you know Mm-hmm. You see these things scanning visual information. They're like sp- they're like big eyeballs, like sp- spying on like. But it, then it's like also this like sync metaphor, you know. Such a movie, <laughs> right? Because Sonic is also analyzing the environment, like you said. He's yeah, that's right. He's mm, looking but Sonic analyzes it intuitively eh? Mm. he just knows how to play it he dances through it robotnik has to use machines to do the same thing mm, good point yeah i find that that's pretty interesting now right it is like a uh, left right brain metaphor of course <laughs> robotnik is an obvious mr n type visually first of all and then he's it's another left hemisphere he's a big left hemisphere run amok idea isn't he yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then Sonic would obviously be the right hemisphere and the unconscious. Mm-hmm. He's connected to the magical worlds and can make synchronicities outside of time like he does right. at the right. Fisted Pit. Right, and dude, that's why, so th- that's why it's so weird how this movie is so openly um, about madness, about being crazy. Yes. Yes, and how is right? it that, that they have this character called Crazy Carl, who's the only character that can see Sonic? Like, they named him Carl? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like, it's it, funny. Is it consciously Jungian, or is that just an accidental sync joke? You know? <laughs> right, no, I, I yeah, I don't know, but I, I love <laughs> that he's yeah i love how when he shows up at the end and he's and he's like <laughs> he says something about sonic he's like who everyone can see is obviously real and not at all invented by me i just <laughs> i think about carl jung saying that like about the anima or like other esoteric concepts that you know it's just it's funny <laughs> yeah it's like the blue devil, and then the anima often has a blue face. Doesn't Maynard get at that kind of in some of the Tool lyrics or something? It's mm. Kali. She's blue. You know, I don't know. He's Sonic's total anima thing. Because he's like Tom's imaginary friend on some level. <laughs> Funny. I'm just thinking now. God, two things come to mind. One, like, okay, so Sonic is a hedgehog. Okay. But the... See, uh, okay, I, I'm probably getting into really weird speculative territory here. But... <laughs> As opposed to what? <laughs> <laughs> You're making here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so just because, like, I'm, I'm looking at his face now, like his, the video game face, I mean, like the video game Sonic. Yeah. Um, is He's got this sort of, like, 
little nose that is reminiscent of like Looney Tunes or Disney type characters. This little black dot yes. of a nose, yes, yes, yeah. which is is a kind of nose that in those sorts of cartoons. I tend to see on dog characters, but I may be wrong. Yeah, it's like, you know, totally. It's like goofy nose, kind of. It's like goofy nose. And so if if there is some dog energy there, then he's a blue dog, which is a lot like like Anubis, I think. Oh, Uh, gosh, that's interesting. I don't know. Um, If that's true, then Anubis was like colonizing my sega mega drive because i also played a ton of the stargate <laughs> game which just had anubis in it as a boss i think oh nice yeah i was obsessed Look. with that game it was a really hard game and i played the fuck out of it and i think i got i got pretty far in it maybe even to the last level as a little kid i, I never beat it but what was it called stargate it was just oh, based on stargate the movie <laughs> You're literally playing Kurt Russell, like running around the desert. Like it's a hilarious game. I don't know, dude. Okay, this is so strange again because this opens up a whole. Well, then they go. They go to Egypt in the movie, like in their weird non-local action sequence that happens at the end, where they're stitching together all the famous monuments for Sonic to run across. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and so I I just opened up the um, box art. For this Mega Drive Stargate game. Oh man! Um, now, now we're talking. I'm so nostalgic about this game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at it too. Okay, because it's literally a golden oh, ring. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Oh no! Hovering, hovering over the pyramid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which to be exactly fair, it's not. To happened. be fair, it's not a gold ring. It's, it's yeah. just the Stargate, which is like silver. Yeah. No, um, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I guess. I guess I am seeing certain. Okay, on the Mega Drive box art, it does look more golden. That's interesting. Right. I was actually playing the Genesis version on my Mega Drive. We bought it over summer vacation when we were in the U.S. And then I had an adapter called a Mega Key that let you play Genesis games on the Mega Drive, although the speed was often a little incorrect. So the problem means I was playing it too slow or fast i can't think at the moment about how the clock speeds worked but um but yeah crazy it is a gold ring i guess on the i don't know maybe or maybe that's maybe i'm looking at unofficial art i don't know it's so hard to tell on google images the one that i remember though had it has this like it has this like it's the one with the like two heads on either side is one of them anubis i don't know my egyptian gods Oh, I see like, what you mean. They both, they, they, I can't, yeah, I can't distinguish them. They seem to have beaks. <laughs> yes. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't know. It's but, got a really good soundtrack. I'm, I'm obsessed. Like, this is one of the soundtracks that I just listened to. Like, I'll just turn on my, so I have a Sega Nomad, just a handheld version of the Genesis. And I'll just like, I'll just like put on a game soundtrack on it and just listen to it off the chip you know and this is one of the ones that i listen to all the time it's so rad it's always like it's so it's like weirdly minimal and like it has these really bad like digi drums in the middle of it and it's just great i love it cool i'll actually i'll leave this tab open i want to listen to that 
<laughs> yeah, I, I highly um, recommend it. Yeah, it's great. And actually, it was a really good game, even though it's horribly challenging. And you have to play it in this weird claw position. Like, they fucked up the controls. Like, you really want to be able to run and jump, but they've separated running and jumping with shooting on the B button in the middle. So oh. if you want to run and jump, you have to kind of do this claw-style thing to get at the A and C buttons. Once you master <laughs> that, the game becomes much more easy. Um, but it, but it, So it asks you to play it in a completely weird, like, hand position, which I think is an interesting thing about it, too. Um, and you can't change the controls. Like, if only you could fucking remap that swap B and C or something. But no, they, right. <laughs> they decided to make it this way. So It's, it's so funny to be like, it gives you the ability, like the game supports running, jumping, and shooting all at the same time, but the control scheme doesn't support it. You have to do this terrible technique to actually make the engine do all those things at once for you. But, but then you have to, because the game is so brutal. If you don't, you have to be able to run and jump and shoot. Like so. <laughs> Interesting. It's like alien technology you have to use in this weird way. Yeah, and it's it's a little masochistic or something as an enjoyment. It it forces me to be uncomfortable when I play it. <laughs> and it's got it so hard, but I but I keep coming back for the punishment, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was thinking like cuz so, so yes, yeah, Sonic goes up that pyramid. Yeah, into you, the into the ring. At and the then tip. Oh, yeah, god. At the okay, tip I'm of the we can, I can actually watch this stuff as we talk about it. Because, and then the funny thing is that that is... He disfigures the Sphinx as he runs past. I just want to note. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that is the only... This That's the final ring he enters through, um, right. I think. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the one it's the one that leads them to Green Hills. Let's see. Robonic is currently, or like, he's being like engulfed in a sandstorm cyclone thing that Sonic has made. Um, I should open this up in the actual player to let me navigate better. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that ejects them back into Green Hills. Totally. So I find it funny that on the one hand, there's just the, the bookstore specifically. What? Sonic lands in front of a bookstore called the Book Cart and a flower shop. On one side, there's something called the Ridge Florist. On the other side, it says the Book Cart. So that's a left-right hemisphere thing again. The book thing is logos, and the flowers are obviously the, the right hemisphere. Arrows. He lands right in front of that. It's also a Bicycle back there. And we see a man and a woman on a date. They're eating food, and then we see the portal open behind them, and Sonic shoots out of it, and then he lands in front of a bookstore and a flower shop. So yeah. I feel it's very mask femme, like divine mm. masculine, divine feminine something. Like, like just as soon as he goes through the final portal, which is the big unity pyramid thing. It's almost like an inverted two to one. He's climbing this big unified pyramid, and then we get a bunch of dualism on the other side. Mm. Oh, I see what you mean, right? Because then it's also a big showdown. It's the big final fight, you know. You mean you mean like he goes from the single pyramid to the dual 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It, it, it's a big it's a big track that he's on. You know, he's running down the Great Wall of China and then he's running up the it's all unidirectional, like zoom, zoom. And then he comes out the other side and instantly we're seeing all these two things like a man and a woman on a date and this weird little pair of shops. And then it's the big it's the big confrontation between the opposites. So it's, it's interesting that that follows the. Well, when does the big tower thing happen, though, in San Francisco? Is that before or after this act? It's before, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when they climb up, yeah. So, yeah, I guess it, it is all really close together. They climb up that tower, and then we have the non-local chase through the different wonders of the world, whatever it is. Oh, uh, okay. Um. And then, then they have the big fight. It's just that the fight, you would kind of almost expect the fight to take place at the top of the tower. And it kind of starts there. But then, yeah, it ends up back at the spiritual center, back in the, in the town, in, in Courthouse Square, virtually. Might as well be. Another small American town idea, you know? It's funny, yeah. Because it's, I, I don't it's, even know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to map out the like <laughs> what's going on in these scenes. It's funny because um, it starts the whole sequence then starts at the top of a pyramid, you know, mm. and because it's the Trans America pyramid, right? And then it ends on another pyramid. Yeah, it sure does. And then the whole sequence in between. And then the funny thing is that then in between, we get the beginning of the movie, like the whole movie, like. Yeah, you're right. It, it bookends. It's kind of contained in a loop. It's interesting. You know, Sonic, he's about loops. So I feel like they're working with loop aesthetics deliberately, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. The movie, like, imagistically, it wraps back around on itself. Like, if you. If you finish the movie and immediately start watching it again, it kind of mm -hmm. begins with the last sequence you watched, which was the big action movie, uh, yeah. action set piece, you know. Um, it is circular. And then, yeah. Yo, the first thing we see really in this movie, like after the, the weird like Sonic's like myth introduction with with wise beak or whatever it is that her name what was the name of oh, the owl man. dude i that's i find that so funny because like what the it's hell so, is that i have I, no idea it's so bizarre i've completely um, forgotten that that even happened like i just uh, remembered it this morning i was like there was an owl God, in this it's, it's, it's it's so weird uh, they never really it never goes anywhere because yeah who does maybe maybe they'll that. develop that sequel or something but um mm -hmm. um Right after that, it just shows us James Marston in Green Hills, Montana. It just, it really, like, we might as well be in, in Interstate 60 in some, like, weird deleted Interstate 60 scene where, for some reason, that character is a cop for two seconds, you know? Like, visually, it's just like, <laughs> and he's holding a traffic um, uh speed detector thing you know that like tests how fast the cars are going and he's aiming it at turtles that move slow 
And then Sonic appears and moves fast, but he doesn't see Sonic at first. First, he sees it on his readout. So it's like the Robotnik tracking through the technology and like Sonic um, reading his environment. It's like another um, detective style thing, you know, where he's using an instrument to extract information about the world. And it, it registers Sonic as an anomaly. So it's mm -hmm. kind of so... Um, I really yeah. stand, by, stand by my, my, my intuition. This movie has a lot to say about the m mechanics of sync. It seems so, like, embedded in this basic conversation about, mm. about how synchronicity ha happens. Like, it, like, by which I mean well, it's talking about about sync itself and it seems like at a pretty high level and it's one of those movies where i just i'm so weirded out by that like because i can't figure out how it's d doing that and so I, I really think it's kind of the unity brain that's doing it <laughs> that makes it another one of these really weird movies that's like hard to think about touch you know it's funny because yeah like you say sonic's existence first becomes apparent to marson by numbers on a screen like weird yeah. numbers yeah weird numbers exactly which is um you know which obviously like is 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 such a sort of 11 11 kind of thing totally. as well totally yeah yeah um and i keep thinking of sonic is fast sonic is very much like mercury or hermes right he's just a very very fast like uh quick sort of cool i hadn't thought about him in terms of hermes but it totally makes sense yeah which um well especially if you add yeah. tails into the mix they're like mm. aspects of hermes put them together you get hermes like fast feet and like flying tail right it's like winged foot kind of like zone mm -mm -mm. Yeah, on ground and in the sky, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly, exactly. So it, 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 and that's the thing. So then it connects the two worlds, the yes. worlds of gods and the world, and and that's and what, what Sonic does with his rings explicitly in the mm. movie. In the movie, they reimagine the rings as these portal generating devices that, quote unquote, are how all advanced civilizations travel between worlds. So. We might expect weird aliens or something in this crazy sequel on the basis of <laughs> lines of dialogue like that. Maybe that's what that owl is. <laughs> what the fuck is all this stuff? How is something right. like it's so funny? It's such and a it, ludicrous concept. Like they can't make it make sense. He's a hedgehog from outer space. Doesn't she even call him a space hedgehog or something? <laughs> Tom's wife, whose name I can't remember. Yeah, I think yeah. Maddie, I think. Maddie, Maddie, that's it. Tom it and Maddie. Open the. Um and and her character is so boring. It's like this total nothing character. There's no <laughs> talent. Like, like really, I've got to say, literally spent no work on her character. <laughs> All the work went into the other parts of the script, I guess. Yeah, like I, it, in a weird way, just from like a movie perspective, I really loved how both of their performances like tom and maddie um i agree they're great they, together they, 
they really work together for some reason. I like, no, chemi- I, I like the chemistry. chemistry. Is, is, is great. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame that the that the writing didn't yeah. do more with it. Hopefully, in the sequel, we'll see more of them. But so, uh, so then Sonic is spying on them. <laughs> yes, he's like voyeurism. Like, I think that's so interesting. It's like the unconscious is. It really, it's like a metaphor about the unconscious prior to a confrontation with it. And the whole movie oh, is about the confrontation. Shit. Right. So like okay. Sonic is on the outside and he, and he's like, what, what he's like? He's like watching movies with you. He wants to comment on them. He wants to participate in the movie watching, but he's on the outside, you know? Oh, he's watching the same movies. Yeah, yes, of course. Yes, yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're watching Speed yeah. and the unconscious is watching Speed with you. Yes. Yes. But there's no there's no communication yet. There's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He has to hide because it's dangerous. That's the, the interesting part. I'm not sure what that means exactly. Well, I, I think I it's see, fair I, to say that it's not just any unconscious, right? Sonic obviously relates to the inner child and all he's like this little furry pet. It's like it's like gizmo all over again, you know? So it yeah. The hiding thing, I think it is a bit about the the, the child, you know, that stuff, or, or the feminine, or just repressed aspects, though, that can't come out in the adult world for some reason. Yeah, I mean, because and I, I definitely see him as a child, like, at the end of the movie, he's basically like, he's their kid. They, they've made this room for him. Exactly. He becomes their their baby, basically. Yeah, it's, it's the one thing they don't say in that conversation yeah. in the car, right? Because someone's like, "I'm your best friend." And he's, he's like, "No, that would be this other person, or whatever." Or, or, or I don't remember how it goes, but eventually, it's like, "It's like, I'm your best animal friend," and then it's like, "No, that's my dog." You know, there's no place for him to occupy except for the the fact that you know, there is no child, so he could be the child. You know, <laughs> that mm. works. Yeah, he can't, he can't compete with the dog, but he'd make a good, make you make an okay, like teenage son or something. It's like a free willy adopt the child like thing almost. Like, you know what I mean? Sonic's like an orphan. He's like orphaned from his world, so it's like they're going to adopt him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, and it, isn't it weird because his world is Green Hills? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what what is this weird? Um, it's the it's the, it's the it's the fantasy Green Hills or something, you know? It's the, it's the other world. I don't know. It's totally that though. It's <laughs> he like, comes from the dead world. Yes, he's 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 lost, but he's still like he's in exactly the same place. It's just, it's just that he's a ghost again. It's always ghosts in these movies. <laughs> How can he be anything other than a ghost? You know. He's from some other str- like like we just think alien, but it, it ought to be ghost, really. I don't know. Right, because yeah, and and because the movie is saying like this, both of these places are green hills. It's just that one one is a fantasy green hills, the other one is like a three D, like fleshy green hills. Right, right, right. But but at this but then at the same time. And it does exist in a kind of a compensation, right? That's why we mm. see the turtle right away. The physical Green Hills is a slow, sleepy town. Yeah. And the and the the actual Green Hills is a lightning fast, like constant action world or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I like that. That's funny. Right. He's compensating the slowness of the real Green Hills. Like, it, by his own. And that's what it's like, isn't it? When you go into nature and, and mm. the, you're surrounded by those slow, quiet cycles, the mm. unconscious can get mega active. And all that high frequency projection stuff can go on with more oh. ease, I think, sometimes. Ah. Maybe, you know? It's a little bit about isolation again. <laughs> Dude, exactly. Because why does Tom... What, <laughs> that one why... makes me really laugh. This movie is out of control. <laughs> like, why does Tom... Like, Tom goes crazy. They yes. say this. Because he's, yes. he's bored to death. He's so bored that he's talking to donuts and he's like... I love that. Like, he's not just rehearsing. See, he's like a little kid. He's not just rehearsing a speech. He's rehearsing it with a little stand-in for the audience that he's lovingly crafted out of a donut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, playing, he's a grown man playing with dolls. And then Sonic mm. has to pretend to be a ball, which is a toy. So I think there's kind of some weird relationship there, too. But... Right. He's, he's, Tom is doing a weird active imagination thing yes. Like yes, yes. His, with his environment. He's yeah. creating these characters. And he talks to animals. He talks to the ducks and to the... <laughs> yeah, that's right. He like, talks to the ducks. He talks to all the animals. Um, so he's he's already doing this weird alchemical thing with his environment where he's, yeah. doing, yes. he's doing an active imagination with it. Um, and then, you know, it would be something if the movie just kept it at that and said, look, this is his character. But the thing is that the movie is is saying that he's gone crazy like some of the characters say that or he says that like the word crazy is used to yes. refer to himself then the yes. word crazy is used to refer to uh crazy car <laughs> yes and and the word crazy is also used to refer to robotnik like yes. the, pe yes. the the government people say he's crazy that's right yeah so three three it's too many like Crazy. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, and we, it, 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 he sh Sonic psychoanalyzes himself in a total. Oh way shit! Joke, you know, you're right. Yeah, he gets like a like a like an accent and like it, it's hilarious. Yeah. Huh. You know, it's weird because it sometimes feels like they play on Sonic speed in such an interesting way because it's not just that he he's so he's so fast that he can move in a way that makes our world appear to be static. Oh, I'm obsessed with this. It's so interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah. But then at the same time, he can also move so fast that he can populate the world with copies of himself. Yes. Be because he's so fast. It makes me think of the typical sort of mystical, like, Hinduism has this thing where God is just wearing masks and pretending to be all of us so that every is just one totally. person pretending to be everyone at the same time. Uh, yes, it does and, make it. Yes. yes. And then the, the loneliness of that, uh, the, the, that it's weird. Yeah. It also makes me think of um, certain issues to do with systems and computation because mm. if you want to do a bunch of things at once on a 
closed system like a microcontroller, say, just like a chip that it's like a little embedded computer kind of, you know. There are basically two ways to achieve that. One way is you just have multiple CPUs. You have multiple CPU cores, so you can actually do multiple things truly in parallel. Mm. Um, that gets you a lot of power, and it's really great for certain applications like robotics, where you want to have like one processor just handling all the vision, and another just handling all the audio, and another handling the AI. And you know, it's good if those can all run in real time separately. You can get it really optimized. The, the challenge with that kind of programming, though, is that then the synchronization becomes really important. Um, you've got to sometimes you have to synchronize. You have to find ways to synchronize all those different cores. Like, how does the one core know what the other core is doing? Like, does the eyeball have the image yet? You know, it's et cetera, things like that. Um, okay. So there's some, there's some overhead that emerges to get all the cores talking to each other. And so for certain other kinds of things, it's really bad. Like, you actually would lose performance, potentially, by trying to do it for some reason in a multi-core situation. But so anyway, then, then the other way that you could do it is by... Uh, using one CPU, but like like uh, using interrupts to kind of uh, uh, thread really quickly a bunch of discrete operations. So you just, if you look at the code, it's one single loop of code that just moves through a bunch of different things linearly. But you use a really fast CPU that can do it so quickly that from the end user's perspective, it all seems continuous. It just seems oh, like the device okay. is doing everything at once, but actually it's just one CPU doing things one at a time quickly. Cool, um, nice, yeah. Yeah, and so it, it makes me think about that kind of stuff, which which then also makes me think about consciousness, though, you know, about the psyche, because uh, it's also something that has to optimize computation. And we know that it's, like, lateralized, so that seems like it's a big, um, like, sort of, multi-processor kind of idea, maybe. But then this film is kind of saying that maybe synchronicity has something to do with with something like a linear loop, like accelerated really quickly. I don't know what I'm saying at all here. It's just all very interesting to me. Like the, the movie makes me think about that kind of stuff in the way it handles its action and imagery. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is which is fascinating to me. Like, I, it, it's so like it's an action kind of movie that I can enjoy on such a like abstract level. It it's like it's all it's like doing like it almost reminds me of like One Oak Tricks Point Never. You know, it's like meta action or like it's it's just it's it's using even if it's not trying to, it ends up like using these like action tropes and like movie tropes in a way that feels so philosophical or, or I don't know, like, um, I don't yeah. know. It's just, it's just juicy. <laughs> Do you relate at all to what I'm saying about it? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I think I'm relating in the sense that it's making me think a lot of things and I'm realizing that, uh, in order to talk about it, we are almost having to, dive very deep into very like basic <laughs> topics yes, about yeah, like yeah. consciousness and, and speed. Like it, it's really interesting. It really feels like a movie that is um, in order to talk about it, you just really need to sink into it into like, okay. Yeah. Look, can we talk about the piston pit? That seems like a good play. It all kind of comes together there for, for me, all this weird synchronicity stuff in the movie. Like, I just want to 
talk about that scene. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. Yep. Because, like, one of the first things we see Sonic do, right, is he takes that picture of the guy whose tooth has been knocked out. It's like Mm -hmm. this guy's tooth has been knocked out, and his phone is kind of sailing through the air. Sonic runs by... So, so the idea this in this scene, right, is he's running so fast that everything, the time in this environment is frozen relative to his speed. So it's like Sonic gets to pause, like we were saying, pause the action sequence and then freely navigate that action sequence and just do whatever he wants. And so he does a lot of stuff. He sets up like traps that then when, when time speeds back up, I guess, it's not actually happening, you know what I mean? Like when it, when it returns to our like normal viewer, like all those traps kind of detonate. Then you know, you see all the causal consequences of the things that Sonic sets up in advance in eternity in the pause mode. Uh, mm. But so, the, one of the first things anyway is is he takes he grabs this camera that's sailing through the air and uses it to take a perfectly framed picture of the exact moment that this guy's tooth is dislodging from his gums. You know, this perfect moment and then sonic also he inserts himself into it as like a selfie which is also just what the movie is showing you (laughs) it's showing you like the image that sonic is taking you know um oh yeah like the whole scene is like a snapshot is that yeah yeah um um, big sonic selfie like it's just designed so that people can take gifs of it uh, and It has all the cool, like, sonic moves that you want to see or, like, packed into that scene, you know? Um, And, uh, uh, but, like, what that is, like, like, that guy is going to later probably find his phone and find that picture on it and be, like, completely tripped out by it, you know? Yeah. I I feel that that it's, 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 it's like a sink. Like, how else to think, like, mm. it's right, like an really. alignment, you know, like, literally, like, it should have just captured nothing, but somehow it managed to take a picture of this perfect moment. <laughs> yeah, like, he's making <laughs> all the assistance of... of the unconscious gremlin that is operating in the time slowdown world or whatever. It's so crazy from that perspective. Right. It feels like he is um, organizing a chaotic situation. He's putting all sorts of... Exactly. Yeah. He's putting all sorts of little weird um, structured um, connections between all these different chaotic, disparate uh, elements. Yes. And I think it's so interesting that he does it all while the humans are unconscious. It's as if they're Mm. unconscious because they're frozen. They can't have any thoughts um their thoughts are moving too slow so they're like asleep and it's 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 like a sequence that evokes the idea of like almost like hazing rituals or you know like doing things to people while they're sleeping like like he does that kind of stuff like he puts mustard on them like like as as if Mm. you were like drawing like a dick on someone's face in a sharpie while they were passed out at a frat party you know what i mean yeah Yeah. Um, yeah yeah it's that Exactly. So it's God, right. By doing that, it's suggesting that these humans are asleep to him. Exactly. Exactly. He's doing the, he's doing the type of stuff you would do to sleeping people. Yes. 
So yes. it's kind of it's suggesting that the unconscious, um, exactly th that our unconsciousness of it, of what's happening in the psyche, is not it is something to do with speed. That it's a yes. different frequency almost. Yes, exactly. Operation. I'm obsessed with this image in that sequence where. Um, Sonic is occupying three positions, you know, with the mustard and the ketchup. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like, it's like three people. It's this woman and she's got two men, a black guy and a white guy. And she's mm -hmm. like cho choking them, you know, and then Sonic right. is kind of has tripleized himself on top of that. Um, but so he's tripleized himself in the context already of the hyper speed that's frozen the environment. So he's like double, double speeded. There, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it has this like pot, like weed aesthetic of like frack, like think, you know I'm trying to say here? Like, it's like, it's like meta level. It's like levels of, of action or something. There's like mm -hmm. this action scene unfolding in one, temporal ring and then there's another action scene unfolding on top of that which is sonic running around doing stuff and then within that sonic is interleaving his animation so that he can be in three places at once it's like yeah. three levels each operating at a different level of speed what an interesting ob cinematic object you know and it's it's all relative to the camera speed sonic has to be moving at a, he has to be multiplexing <laughs> at a rate faster than the camera speed in order to seem like he's in three places at once. Mm. It, 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 it does weird relative things to the camera. The camera is in slow motion and in high motion at the same time. And it's a, it's a static image because <laughs> it's exactly. like... <laughs> right, it's the three things at the same time. It's a photograph, a slow motion, and a... Fast. And a high speed, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. It's really weird. Like, wow, like it's like it's it's advancing cinematic aesthetics in a temporal way. It's doing mm -hmm. creative things with time. Uh huh. I've really yeah. never seen like it does that better than other like kind of abstracty action things I've seen, like John Wick. John Wick plays with slow motion and does interesting stuff, but like this is it's it's like Inception, but like as an like as a, action mechanic it's like it's like what nolan was trying to do like this actually does it it it, it invents a new <laughs> kind of action language that mm. is so weirdly physical with the, with this like time time relationships between the between the components of it you know yeah 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 <laughs> i really i hope they i hope they run with it like I think you could do so much with this um, idea in a sequel, you know? I want to see, like, virtuosic action sequences with this idea. Like, I'm ready. Hit me with, yeah, like, seven temporal levels, you know? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. You're right. That'd be cool if they do some more of that in the sequel. And, and I mean, it's hard to imagine that they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the next thing that needs to happen from a visual standpoint is Sonic needs to be able to shrink himself as well so that I can see a bunch more little Sonics on top of the 
tripleized sonics, you know? Then that would look like the mushroom image they show us at the end. <laughs> it's kind of already hinting at something like that. You know? Exactly. That's so weird, man. Exactly. Because, like, so Robotnik ends up in a mushroom world that is in itself a fractal. There are, yes. right? There are big mushrooms sitting on top of even bigger mushrooms. And then... Yes all sorts of small mushrooms sprouting out of the bigger mushrooms. And I, I just... love that because it's exactly what I was trying to describe before. Like It's like the mm. structure of these like, temporally layered action things. It's like action. Yeah. It's like an action sequence has grown on top of another action sequence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like See, the mushrooms. I wonder what's happening here. It almost feels as if Robotnik ends in this world and just doesn't know how to deal with it it's it becomes so complex that it's almost like mm. uh overwhelming it's just this enormous desert of fractality um whereas sonic somehow seems to suggest to the viewer that okay this type of fractality there is some other way of dealing with it um mm. And you know the fun the funny thing in the action sequence, I think if I recall correctly, it ends with Sonic kind of defeating the the boss of the of that level, which is that big kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. And he puts the he puts the bear head the on bear him. Bear head on and, it. And then does the the like bullfight Ole thing with a with a napkin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we and, actually see that happen to that guy twice. He he sails through the the window and shatters the window, um, and, and then that happens again later when Robotnik visits. Right? Oh, you're right. He, Robotnik he somehow... shows up. We see this guy in a neck cast. You know, he's like his neck has been broken or sprained or something, and Robotnik sends him through the window a second time. So we, we get to see that guy brutalized twice. <laughs> once by Sonic and once by Robotnik. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and I guess I just sort of wanted to mention that he puts a bear head on him. Yeah. And that's like the that's the end of the sequence. That's it, yeah. Uh, and Sonic, the only thing that makes him slow down in the movie is uh, Tom using a bear tranquilizer on him oh is it a bear shrink i didn't track that wow I, interesting i think i mean i may be wrong here but i think it's it's maddie maddie's it's bear tranquilizers yeah, that, that that would make sense i mean yeah definitely bears in montana or or, uh, so, so, or at least like she says like because he wants to use it for the raccoons and maddie says you yeah, don't just, that, that could that could um that's sort of enough for a bear kind of thing. So, um, I'm not sure what to make of that. I just love the fact that the bear is invoked twice as an animal. <laughs> um, yes. especially in scenes that involve, yeah, she mentions bears. You're absolutely right. Okay. Bear, bear is the example she gives. So, yeah. Cause, cause then but both scenes imply slowing down in some sense in that, that, or, or, you know, they, they're both used in this context of the end, like the bear is the end of the sequence. Mm. Kind of thing. Uh, 
yeah anyway <laughs> what do you think about i just wanted to ask about the um because mm. i just kind of scrolled into it here um maddie's sister's house mm, with yeah. the other little kid it's kind of <laughs> like she has a kid and her sister doesn't and that's like some like issue for this sister I feel like her animosity towards Tom, she's always, she's trying to convince Maddie to like divorce him and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Has to do with the fact that they're barren. It's like a childless marriage. And she's like inferred from the from that that like he must be unfaithful to her. And in a way he is being because he's playing with his anima in the treehouse or whatever we think is going on, you know? <laughs> kind of like he meets Sonic in the garage, you know? And then they go on this like boy's adventure. He's just like a big kid. He's not really a father yet, you know? Um, I That's don't know. No, I, I, I hadn't realized. I, I, I think, yeah, it must have something to do with children. Because I found it really funny that her sister is so insistent. She's it, so, it, she hates him. <laughs> because it becomes, it becomes like a, a thing in the movie. Like the, the fact that it's like a meme within the movie, the meme of her totally, yeah, yeah, constantly asking her to divorce divorce him as if there and, and as if okay, there was a dude, very, dude yeah. there's an owl in her house. What is this? There's like a painting of an owl right at the entrance to her house. <laughs> oh, cool. So nice. That somehow links it with but then the owl is clearly it's like Sonic's mom that he's orphaned yeah. from. So yeah, there's something going on with this family stuff for sure oh fuck okay that's interesting so maybe she is like the mother kind of symbol yeah um and somehow she it's funny she perceives some something in tom that maddie doesn't she's sort of perceiving some danger some evil totally yeah well, like, this is a movie where the main character is declared, like, a terrorist, right? He's, like, literally a fugitive. It's, ah, the Interstate 60 overlays we haven't even talked about, you know? No, All that stuff blows me away. No, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's either, yeah. That stuff is really, like, stupid. It's it's either, like, a direct reference to Interstate 60, which would be weird. Like, why would they reference? Why? Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> um... Or like he, you know, it's just good old sync web, like James Marsden sync web mystery. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I guess, I guess it must be. But they they use an interstate sign. Even it's like they, yeah. it's kind of placed at the top of the house, which is like the top of the pyramid. Like Sonic ends up living in the attic. The attic's a big triangle, and then mm. at the apex of that attic, they place Interstate ninety. As like you know, oh, do they? Okay, yeah, it's this big fucking sign that says Interstate 90. It's it looks it's identical to the Interstate 60 sign, red and blue like that. You just flip it upside down, you know. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I would not be surprised if the director, you know, is making a direct reference because, I mean, they're similar in just it's James Marston and a road movie, so. If if he's cast like I, I, he must have, I mean anyway it's the yeah who knows but like I'm sending uh, you a screenshot of this owl by the way. Okay. The owl painting on Messenger. It's kind of a weird one. It looks Jungian. <laughs> There's like stars of David in it and a moon and uh, yeah. 
There are three. Uh, next is just a bunch oh, of stars. Oh, right. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that's we see funny. we see that at the right at the entrance to her house, right as Tom is about to burst in with Sonic wrapped up in a blanket, like a little baby Moses or Jesus, you know. Yeah. God, I wish it was more horrific. You know, I wish they they removed that blanket and it was some like Mac and me looking Sonic instead of this like <laughs> nice correct Sonic that we got. <laughs> He is going to be so much more obviously a weird alien. <laughs> but just to be honest, yeah. there's no way to make this not weird. Like, I'm sending you another yeah. This is uh, just James holding the baby Christ. So, so I watched Blade Runner 2049 again last night. I didn't quite finish it because I got tired. Um, yeah. But man, it's so much like this movie because it's kind of all about isolation again and about about digital image technology. It's like so many images of like these like holographic women kind of ghostly haunting um, yeah. um, um, Ryan Gosling, you know? Um, and then it's, it's, it's all about like a, like a Christ child thing. Cause it's, you know, it's like, it's like Rachel and Deckard had a baby. Um, it's all it's yes. buried beneath the, the, you know, and then it's like the bones buried beneath the tree and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I don't want to open up that movie so much, but just, it's it's clearly kind of it's cut from the same cloth as in 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 a in a archetypal way um right and and they have they have nothing to do with each other otherwise like they're like no one would think to like one is this big art art movie and the other is this terrible sonic movie but like they're the same they're 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 clearly from the same era of the american collective unconscious you know <laughs> They're, they're related dreams in that way. No, absolutely. I mean, I was going to say, because like, this is so, when I was watching Sonic, the thing that most made me feel that it was a, a modern movie is how much it's about isolation. Yeah. Like, it's funny how... You I guess we tell, haven't mentioned yet yeah. really how it does that. Do you want to sort of describe how this movie does right. that? Right. Okay. Uh, oof. I mean... I'm not sure. I just really like the fact that, as we were saying before, the theme of madness, craziness emerges. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and it's, a, it's a craziness that, in all cases, um, involves an obsession with, uh, with Sonic somehow. With his, <laughs> yeah. Right? With, like, Robotnik is obsessed with Sonic, Crazy Carl, and Tom can see Sonic, right? So he's, like, crazy right. as well in that sense. So it's all about... It's a craziness. It's crazy because the people who are crazy are communicating with something that people in their society don't believe exists. Yes. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's already being set up. It's not just any old. It's not a chaotic madness. It's that type of madness, yeah, and it's being yeah. set up that way. But then the funny thing is that the movie takes an extra step because it describes how that madness occurs. It occurs through isolation. Yes. Right, because Tom, Tom goes crazy because he's alone all day. He's alone all day because of his job, right? So, so we, I don't think we even mentioned he's like a highway cop. He just sits mm -hmm. in a car, basically, and like, yeah. Or that's not true. He's like the town sheriff, but but they set it up like he's a highway cop. You know, it's like the first thing you see is him sitting mm -hmm. alone on a road with nothing going on. 
And then he's always complaining about how nothing really of substance ever happens in the town. Yeah, like yeah. he imagines that he wants to be in like high speed action cop in the big city kind of thing, which is why he's applying to the San Francisco police force and all this. Yeah. 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 So he's like, yeah, he's like bored and alone a lot of the time. Yeah. And then Robotnik is alone with his machines and his mm-hmm. weird little sub or whatever is going on there. Yeah. <laughs> his slave serves him lattes and stuff. I love that. <laughs> I love it too. They're, they're so great. And the, the whole Jim Carrey energy in this movie really works. Like I was surprised how well it worked. Like, yeah, I yeah. thought it was going to be an aspect of the movie that might be really bad, but it, it actually is great. Really it's funny. funny. There's this moment where he just like sticks his hand into Stone's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was really hard. <laughs> That's oh, kind of yeah, like... yeah, yeah. <laughs> It has all these, yeah. So anyway, like it has all this. Look how he dressed. He looks like some kinkster, you know. Right, long black coat and all this stuff. Like I don't know. Yeah, no, totally. And 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 at the same time, he's a typical like man in black character, right? Because um, I think I think even like Tom's friend says that he says some guys were here like. Like, the like men, in men in black, but less charming than Will Smith. Yeah. 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 It's so, really funny stuff. He's, he's already like being. It's funny because, on the one hand, there's the sexual component of like, there's like a. Some sort of a sexuality to Robotnik. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At the same time, he's it's about frustration. Too, eh? Sorry? He's an orphan, too, right? Isn't there dialogue about that? Rub that in my orphan face. Doesn't he say oh, that dude. when Tom? Oh, no. orphan, Robotnik's an orphan. Oh, shit, dude. This is getting serious now. Oh, no. <laughs> That's oh, something. No. That's something thematic. They're up to something there. That's yeah, funny. you're right. They're both orphans. Yeah. I don't think there's That's any backstory about Robotnik in the games, really. I, I could be wrong about that. Maybe he is just an orphan canonically. I don't think so. I think they, they probably changed that. Huh. Right. Okay. And that's funny because then the so so there, it's the movie is making all of this. Okay, so I'm I'm sorry. I'm just going to try and tie these things together because oh, please, I feel yes. as if the movie is trying is 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 tying these themes together in a way that makes them relatable to the viewer in a very spooky way because on, on at the first glance, you know, a highway cop. Is not something everyone's going to relate to, etc. Uh, but but when you put Especially all these different... not this year, it's it's strange. Like a movie with a cop as a hero, it, it's suddenly a bit tone deaf, you know. But none of that was going on in such a conscious way when the movie dropped, I guess. Right. Yeah. No. It it, it is a it's an interesting thing because then uh, that's a whole other thing. I'm not even sure what to say about. But it's like oh shit, yeah, the whole culture war stuff that we both agree is in this. We haven't even touched on that stuff. There's, God, there's so much in this fucking movie. Right, because because um, in a sense, Sonic is blue, and he's blue and fast and kind of like seems like the kind of dude who would prefer to hang out in the big city. But then, but then he's the one who's always like, "Tom, why are you leaving Green Hills?" It's an interesting mm-hmm. paradox there. And well, and I was I was thinking also how he's sort of blue, like a cop is blue, like the the. Dude. Oh, wow. The, I bet this movie is popular with, like, Blue Lives Matter folks. Wouldn't you guess? I mean, it's just a oh, movie right. for, for kids that shows a cop in a positive role, you know? 
I bet police officers right. are showing their kids this movie. That's pretty interesting. Interesting. I have, yeah, I haven't thought of that. I, I just sort of, because I'd realized that Maddie makes these two cakes for Tom and one of them is red. <laughs> and the other one. I love that. Yeah. So, and it's, that's the funny thing, because one of the cakes is red and the other one is blue. The red right. one, the red one is the bad cake, is the you failed cake. And it's mm. the, the red Golden Gate Bridge in flames. It's <laughs> something like screw San Francisco or something. Yeah. Um, I hate that it? image. That, that creeps <laughs> me out. I just, I just, I'm always imagining that there are things like that are going to come true. We're so crazy. Like normal people don't have these fears. <laughs> I watched Sonic the Hedgehog 2020, and I and I see an image of San Francisco burning on a cake, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, that probably might that might happen because this movie yeah. is showing, you know. Yeah, I know that that is such a strange component <laughs> to, to this sort of movie watching method. Yeah, um, yeah. But but so it's strange because then the 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 cakes echo the um vi the villain and hero of the movie because the bad cake is the red cake that's robotnik he's red yeah and the the good cake is the blue cake who's sonic sonic but the yeah. but the, the blue cake is blue because it's a picture of a cop so mm -hmm. so it, there is this strange like almost it's like the movie is setting up a structure maybe unconsciously in which sonic's yeah, blue nice. sonic's blue color is um, in in harmony with the blue the blueness of the cop outfit. Well, they really they set up an interesting dichotomy, don't they? Because mm. Tom is a cop, but he exists. They they couldn't have placed him in a in a in a location more kind of perfectly suited because it's it's. Uh, what am I trying to say here? Out of out of the states that they could have selected, it's a state that has a huge emphasis on individualism. You know, Montana's a big state with a lot of wilderness. It's like where the Unabomber went to disappear from the government. It's about as okay. far away from centralized government <laughs> as you can get in the United States, both kind of physically, it's far away from Washington, you know, but especially like, spiritually it's not a place of people who enjoy really government meddling and he's in this he's in a small town you know and then but then the villain is like also kind of a cop it's yeah. robotic but he's a cop that works for the military you know yeah so it, it's directly kind of like military encroachment into small town america They've gone with Montana, I suppose, because it's a little more neutral than setting it in, like, Iowa or something, you know, yeah. in middle America, which would be which would make the political aspect of it much more emphasized. I think by placing it in Montana, it's like it doesn't read so immediately as a big political thing, but it's that it's then it still gets to kind of set it set up the understructure the way it would like to like. Tom is a good cop. He's not one of the bad ones that's going to use military violence on you, like <laughs> these other ones that you know. Um, he's bizarre, one right? that then... might defend you against that if such a thing were to ever pour into your small town. You know, right. I don't know. It is interesting. 
No, totally. That's funny. God, when was this movie released? <laughs> I think it was 2019. Maybe it was... Oh, oh, did it get pushed back? Was it one of those? I'm not sure. Feb- it was February 9th, 2020. Oh, wow, gosh. It really is a funny movie. It just, just, just misses the big change in the world. It's one of the, crazy. It sits right at, yeah. It sits right at the threshold of the whole thing. <laughs> oh, God. That's so bizarre, man. Yeah. Big storm coming, coming, coming. That's, that's the right, lyrics. and then... <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the, post, the poster to the movie... Like, this is me getting all, like... <laughs> but but the poster to the movie is this giant ring with mm. Jim Carrey in it. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it kind of looks like a red ring, and it's got these little robots. Yeah. Kind yeah. of, you know, in a, in, a, in a sort of, you know, uh, in a subtle way, it kind of has a... Is when it was in theaters, right? That's, is that, that is Valentine's Day, correct? Sorry, interrupt. So, uh, February fourteen, yes, I think. They released it on Valentine's Day. Sorry, I, I really, <laughs> that just that just really strikes me. How weird. That is weird. Yeah. No, I was just thinking how subtly the movie poster looks like a coronavirus, but I mean, you know, you could probably say. Oh, that I see. I see. I everything. see. No, no, I can see it. No, no, dude. Little, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. You see but what I mean? That, that that hadn't occurred to me. Totally, no, totally. It I does see. look like a like a little image of the virus. Well, because it's also lightning bolts there, so it, it tells you it's going to be like a like a storm kind of a corona uh-huh. storm. I, I always think it's like that. It's like a thing that was falling down from the sky to infect us subliminally. You know? Right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Disease rain. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. God, that. And 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 then the movie's about isolation. So it's a storm of isolation. And oh. it's literally kind of that's what powers up Sonic's mega charge. It's when he's oh, suffering no. the maximum anguish of isolation at the abandoned baseball court at the game <laughs> he can't participate in, you know? Oh no, you're right. It's all about <laughs> isolation. Yeah. Shit. Right. And then the and government surveillance, which is clearly related to all of this, I would, I would think. Yeah. Corona. See, and, and that—that's the crazy thing, because then that's how the the movie makes it relatable to the audience, in some way, is oh. by making is by making Sonic an avatar of like the type of person who spends all their time just. Uh, looking into screens like that that's what the movie is doing mm-hmm. basically right because mm-hmm. because sonic lives in this little cave filled with pop culture junk like just like uh, yeah they're doing that thing right i feel like this is a real type you know it's like the unconscious as an alien that consumes pop culture uh, it's kind of started in the 80s and this has continued You're right that's funny i hadn't thought of that it is like an 80s Gizmo is, yeah. is like that. He watches TV and he's obsessed with TV. And E.T. Oh, watches TV and is obsessed with TV. And, dude, you know, that's on, on, yeah. on, on, on. It's it's the same thing, but it's almost as if this is like in this movie, this trope like becomes alive somehow. <laughs> yes, it becomes this, this truly is, You you suddenly realize that the the Gizmo and E.T. characters were sort of still leading up to a moment like this one, a moment where 
the alien who is isolated from the world in a pop culture den is the it's is it's i mean maybe it well and as we were saying he was one of the world's first interactive video characters of any Mm. lasting note you know him and mario they go together in that way so so it's about technologically empowered fantasy in some way like it's a basic you know sonic yes Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say also, like, I, I got this sense watching it that Sonic, when he's spying on Tom and Maddie, uh, it feels like Tom and Maddie are characters on a screen for him. Yes. I he's agree. developed it's like he's through a window. It's like, really, it's like he's looking at a screen visually, yeah, too. It, exactly. Visually, it's framed in this way that very clearly sets the window in alignment with the tv so he yeah. he's looking at the window and they are looking at the tv and it's all the same kind of tunnel totally then, but then the funny thing is that it seems to be talking about like parasocial like relationships where you think that um you know that people on tv are your friends because you see them every day yeah so yeah if, if, exactly exactly hmm, interesting he's healing his isolation by developing this sort of imaginary parasocial like friendship with tom yeah 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 by just by just watching him on tv kind of thing um but this breaks it breaks why does how does it you know why does he go to the baseball thing like something leads this fantasy to collapse somehow mm. Mm. uh I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe there isn't any reason to it. Well, it's, just, it's like, some it somehow relates to visibility too, because because it's explicitly like he has to hide. You know, mm-hmm. he's been sent here to hide. That those are the instructions that the mother gave him. Yeah. In a way, it is a movie about Sonic, like eventually violating the directive of the mother, oh, <laughs> who dude, says, that's... "Hide." You know, don't have an erection. Don't extend out into the world. <laughs> and then Sonic ends up deciding he's gonna stick around dude fuck (laughs) it's such a castration fantasy Mm. by the father i just realized robotnik castrates sonic like he 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 wants to use sonic's dick to power his machine (laughs) yeah yeah in some weird way like in a in a like basic yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. like that that Basically, he needs to hide because the father is chasing him. And the father is chasing him because he has an enormous amount of power that can power up his machines. Mm. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I don't know, but I've, but I've experienced it in my own dreams. I, I had a recurring apocalyptic nightmare as a little kid mm-hmm. where it was the, the father with some maniacal machine big giant machine thing it's mm. totally right an aspect. i guess it relates to the left hemisphere a bit you know that's what i've yeah. thought about it so that's fascinating though because then you're right he is isolated he's not just isolated because he's isolated because he's hiding and he's hiding because he's been set on a mission by his mother to hide forever basically the mission yeah. is, it's an open-ended eternal hide 
just hide That's forever, right. just run yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, why? Yeah. Because there are people who want to, um, because there are people that want to use your power. Right, right, exactly. What does that mean? <laughs> well, people it's who want to, yeah. complicated, isn't it? Because, because look, the movie shows you Sonic multiplexing himself, interleaving as multiple things. And then it's like also happening symbolically. What is Sonic in this movie? Well, he's a lot of stuff, right? On the one hand, yeah. he represents unconscious on the other hand he represents his own kind of character that you know but so but so it's interesting like to think about the unconscious struggling with feelings of loneliness to me that would relate to the death of god and the repression of unconscious yes stuff and the denial of a relationship with it and, and just etc it's as if the unconscious is lonely it would like to participate but we keep shutting it out <laughs> of all of our rituals you know yeah 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 absolutely fuck um, somehow the the divine mother or something has has on the basis of that then just decided don't play with the humans they, they they're just you know so go back, you know, they don't want you anyway, they're, or they're going to hurt you or whatever. So stay mm -hmm. hidden. It's, 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 it's like, I mean, I think we're outliers a little bit in that the unconscious kind of approached us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, maybe it's fair to say we were sniffing around for something like this, but, mm -hmm. but my experience was like, it just started sending me weird messages and et cetera, you know? Um, maybe yeah. it's just not, not that, I mean, it wasn't that way for me before. The unconscious was dormant. It was, it was hiding in some way. So it's like mm -hmm. a pre-individuated state of adult soul loss, which is also what Blade Runner is about. Mm -hmm. So explicitly, it's about the loss of soul and the recovery of soul. It's, it's funny also, man, because, like, I just realized... Green so Sonic Hill. is the soul <laughs> as well, I right. would say. I'm just, I'm just looking at James, like, holding the CGI Christ child. I guess it's his soul, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I just want to say, like, it's as if he is thrown out of Eden, out of this sort of perfect Green Hills world. Mm. Um, the moment that that happens, the moment he's thrown out of that world, is is the same moment as the owl mother is killed, or or yes. you know supposedly yeah. killed. As far as we know, killed. Yeah. So the the death of Green Hills is the death of the mother in that sense. They're both the same yeah. event, and the mother is killed by the same forces that then are identified with Robotnik, by the forces who are trying to steal Sonic's power. Um, you know, oh God. Then relating it back to Tom, like Tom is, as I, 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 was, I was telling you, like I get the feeling that Tom, I can't help feeling that Tom is like Tom in the Bible, Thomas the... Uh, the doubter, doubting Thomas. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Uh, is doesn't he? He gets direct proof of um, Christ's of Christ. Basically, he gets direct proof of it. 
by putting his finger in. Yeah. And so it's like it's a direct confrontation. It's not about reading about stuff in books. It's about having a direct sort of mental breakdown. It's about craziness in that. that Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hmm. And it's funny also because then the, the whole like isolation dynamics in relation to this thing is I think that Sonic is told to hide because otherwise power will be taken away from him. And I feel that maybe that's one of the main reasons we, the again, the um, anima asks us to hide. She, you know, the, the, there is a part in ourselves that that feels like hiding in order to avoid being... I see. Um, in, in, avo- in order to avoid... Well, I mean, it's true, no? Yeah. Like, if you, if you make yourself visible and, and it's, it becomes known that you have powers, there are people who will come along to vamp out on you, you know? It's well, I, and I, I was thinking sort of, like, beyond the, the, the sink stuff... Just mm-hmm. the fact that the people hiding in their rooms watching screens, that type of isolation, uh, seems to be connected to not wanting to go outside because outside is a place where you get hurt. Danger, you get, yeah. You get hurt in the sense that your your um your power gets taken away from you in the sense of like political power or or whatever it may be like right, it's almost right. as if sonic's power here is just also can be taken to be just a visual representation of power itself of just like um you ah, don't wanna, you don't want to exit your room because you want to avoid um conflict of all kinds you don't you you know your room is your is just a comfortable space where you don't have to enter into conflict with the world kind of thing um but then sonic realizes that you, what he wants is love and friendship and that involves somehow dealing with the very concept of of conflict i don't know i'm just thinking that's that. so interesting because robotnik goes around creating conflict but never seems to establish any connection like mm. he's constantly i had a more clear idea about how this related to what you just said but i think i just lost it but but anyway robotnik um i'm interested in him because so much of what he does betrays his fragility. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, he's constantly on the defensive, you know? When he meets Tom, all that stuff of being an orphan, like, no one asked him. He just volunteers it, you know? Poor me, I'm an orphan. He says yeah. it, like, like angrily, but it's, it's an admission of a vulnerability, you yes. know? An actual smart yeah. person probably wouldn't reveal things like that that would tell you something about your psychology 
that someone else might be able to use to manipulate you. I mean, maybe he just thinks no one could manipulate me. I'm so smart. But that means he's not so smart. You know what I mean? He's like yeah. an IQ run amok, mad intellect that that obviously becomes part of his undoing. He underestimates everyone in that way. Um, but I just really think like a big aspect of him is this like scared little boy. And, mm -hmm. and like, I don't know, just like there's like a deep insecurity in him that yeah. is much more close to the surface than we often see in movie villains who are supposed to be bad and scary. There's nothing vulnerable about the Joker <laughs> in Christopher Nolan's Batman, you know? But there is about this ro Robotnik. And you kind of like, he's not that threatening. You almost want yeah. to hang with him, you know? Yes, yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, well, because <laughs> that's the thing. Like, the what's threatening about him is just the scale of his technology. Yes, yeah. And that's, right. and that's the funny thing, because then thematically, in the read that we're making of the movie, technology is partly what's, in uh, you know, according to the movie, it's what's stimulating uh, Sonic's loneliness in some way. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, it, it's similar to the games, which were complicated in that way, because like, mm -hmm. they kind of... They, they come to you via high technology and then they criticize technology a little bit. Um, Sonic is this like technologically created fantasy character, but then his myth is telling you, be careful with technology. Don't let it overrun the natural world and mm. don't let it roboticize the way you relate to the environment. And you know, all that stuff is in those games, I think, metaphorically. Yeah. So then it's it's similar in this movie. Like it's actually a very nuanced and kind of complicated portrait of technology, I think. And its yeah. relation to isolation, you know? Um Yeah, because cause Robotnik is a lonely little boy, like you said. He is yeah. Sonic. It's almost like Robotnik is just yes. showing you a different aspect of Sonic, the little boy who's hiding from mm -hmm. the world through technology. Uh yes. and well, and isn't that yeah. kind of an aspect of what we might imagine about certain traumatized police or et cetera? They're hiding behind military technology, but they right. have some, you know. Right, right. I see what you mean. The aspect of, um, yes, the, the, fuck, that's interesting. Okay. I, I, I'm not, I can't, I've kind of lost my ability to s verbalize it too, but do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think so. Like the the fact that the whole like armor, yes, like, it's this armor. It's this basic armor paradox. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just whether we're talking covering... about cops or soldiers or knights or these weird villains, Batman as a hero, yes. it's a, they, they, Iron Man. You know, it's all this this kind of covering yourself with um. Armor you're, and using the and you're using the technology because it creates the isolation, because mm. it creates the distance. It's easier to to do violence if you have that distance. It's like drone strikes. So it's no coincidence that Robotnik uses drones, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. He, he has both aspects, though, because he, he's very physical. 
with his special friend. He's pinning him up. Oh, against yeah. I guess he, he doesn't touch him in that scene, right? But, he, but we do see him strike him. He, like, punches him in the throat at one point. <laughs> so, yeah. so I guess it's, it's not fair to say that Robotnik's completely about the distanced violence. That's something that's more carried just in the idea of the drone, I guess. But still, it seems to be his preferred mode. He'd rather kind of press a button and have something terrible happen to you at a distance. Yeah. Um, Right, that he then he watches it on the screen. He just watches everything. Yes, yes on the exactly. Screen that he's doing. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. he's analy- and, and that's the funny thing we were saying earlier, right? He's analyzing all that data on the screen. He's seeing yeah. enormous amounts of patterns. He's pure yeah. pattern detection. Yeah. Uh, God, it's really that's funny. What a crazy. And then at the, the and it, I just find it so funny how at the end they decide to stay in Green Hills. The the thing of like, at the end, he returns home. It's like he, throughout the movie, he never is in Green Hills because from the very first moment, he's already like, uh, sort of set up to go to San Francisco. So he's, he isn't resting in Green Hills. He's kind of like in a constant state of, I'm about to leave this place. Yeah, and that's right. And then it's only till the very last moment that he's like, okay, I'm actually here. I'm here. But it's weird how that's done. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure what to say about it exactly, but I just find it funny that the, the end of the movie is a return home. Right, right, as right. It, right. As, it, as, it, as if he hadn't been home for the whole movie. And, and that's really, I would say, kind of the main theme of the like taking sync and everything else we've been talking about out of it we have finally at the end of our three-hour conversation about sonic or whatever (laughs) arrived at the the basic like over theme of the movie that most sort of critically minded movie viewers would probably notice you know yeah it's a movie about some kind of a return home in a way that's like this i've realized i've been there all along sort of thing you know which is yeah. definitely how I feel about the self often. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I feel most in resonance with it, I think I just feel as if it's, it's a kind of... old eternal friend or... or, or um, mm, yes. Like, we, I work so hard to try to bring it into consciousness or manifest it or whatever that means, but... But like maybe that's a lot of extra labor that's not needed because I just am it already. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna be anything else other than it, etc. You know. Yeah, 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 things. yeah. Yeah, and that's funny. That's so. That's so funny. How? Okay, so this is a, a thought I had during the movie. Is it's stillness? The, it's stillness. It's a movie about speed and travel, but then its main message is stay where you are. It's fine. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Don't move. <laughs> Yeah. Because then the ring is like the most advanced form of travel. And the ring... Mm. So it's it's already... There is something weird in the symbolism of that. He doesn't... He, Tom doesn't need to travel physically. He needs to travel spiritually. And that's what he does over the course of the film, right? He gets a oh. change in perspective that lets him see the beauty of, of what's right in front of him. So it's a very individuation thing from that standpoint. Oh, that's crazy. That's why, okay, 
I think that's why the rings fall onto the Transamerica pyramid. How so? Because, because San Francisco ends up being a spiritual place. He doesn't actually uh-huh, want to go. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, oh, I see. I see. Yes, yes. Yeah, that does all pi- track. Yeah. It's almost as if the, the pyramid, um, the only part of San Francisco we see is the pyramid, like the most symbolic kind of like, it's it's like a, it's as if San Francisco simply Dude, represents. And then that whole that whole action sequence is like a travel sequence. It's like a travel commercial. It's like go to the pyramids, go to the Great Wall of China. Like yeah. I expect to see like American Airlines like as a logo like fall down in place at the end of it or something. You know? Yeah. It's like they go on this imaginary trip, but but it's just to places of spir- like spiritual or like I don't know like image historical importance. You're right. We just see. The pyramids and all, you know. It's Do we so go straight, to Paris? Yeah. I don't remember exactly all the places we see. I think we, we go, go to Paris. Where, right? oh, Paris, yes, maybe. We, we do go to Paris. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just opening it up here. Yeah, I think we go to Paris. I know, and I, I've got to say, like, I haven't thought about it much, but there's something about that ending that unsettles me as well, because the there's something I like about it. Something also just that creeps creeps me out because it seems to suggest that all of Tom. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. No, no, no. Uh, Okay, continue. Uh, It's just just that it seems to be as if Tom's um, all of Tom's doubts at the beginning of the movie about you know maybe this is not what I want to do with my life. Yeah. They don't really. I I feel as if in some sense they don't get addressed completely as if. Just it's as if there is an aspect of the movie that I don't think it's saying that at all. And it's just probably just my insecurities, but it's as if it's saying, you know, just stay where you are in a in a sense that No, it is and isn't that weird t- how that relates to quarantine again? Mm, yeah. Stay where you are. <laughs> no more <laughs> travel. Don't travel. If you're going to travel, travel through the magic portal travel, like video travel, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at a mime in front of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> so we do yes. go from one tower to another tower. He goes from San Francisco straight to Paris. Yeah. And uh, and the mime, we see the mime gesturing as if he's drawing a ring in the air yeah, and behind yeah. him as he's doing that the actual ring is materializing and i'm just scrubbing through this clip with my trackpad you know over and over again and they've animated it so that it's just perfect like the motion of this mime's hands and the unfoldment of the ring are synchronized in real time so that it looks like the mime is manifesting a portal yeah and then they cut to the shot of the little girl who sees that and is like, holy shit, this mime just opened a portal. <laughs> and then Sonic shoots out of it. But it's a, it's a synchrony thing. It's an alignment between foreground and background. The mime is completely unconscious of it. He's not aware that an actual portal is manifesting back there. But somehow Sonic has picked just the right time and the mechanics of the portal are just so and the motion of the mime's hands are just show, are just so, and the position of the child who's watching it is just so, yeah. to form this illusion as if the magician has opened 
the gate. What a yeah. weird sequence. <laughs> and it's a magician, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cat. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a weird. Sonic pours out of it. Robotnik pours out of it. Now we're on the Great Wall. There's not much going on in that scene visually. It's just running on the Great Wall. And we're in the pyramids. There is a bit that happens there. Like, like I said, he defaces the Sphinx. Mm-hmm. Robotnik shoots its head off. Uh, and then we get the, the sandstorm cyclone and then Sonic running up the center. Yeah, and then we're back at Green Hill. So there's only three locations, really. Yeah. It's the pyramids, the Great Wall, and Paris. Okay. No, that's... It, it's as if there is... That, that must be at least the second scene that mime scene is like the second scene where that happens where two events are completely synchronized in a way that suggests that the rings and sonic and all this is about synchronization yes Uh, yes for sure yeah (laughs) fuck man i mean i feel like i could talk about this movie for another four hours you know (laughs) But I'm actually yeah. getting hungry. I think I've got to go like buy some food and Yeah, no, same. I'm 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 feeling like, yeah, this is a good This could go on and start. on. Um yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great though. Once again, I feel like um I have a better understanding of this movie on the output of this conversation than on the input. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's funny. I'm yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I've got to say, I love having these conversations because it really, like, I, it does really help. Um, I love it. And it, it does really kind helps. of discharge my feelings of, like, needing to make a video about a movie. Or so. It's like, we had a conversation about it. Yes. We, we helped each other understand it and then shared it on SyncBook. So it's a little record of... Of, of our research on this artifact, you know. Exactly, that exactly. That happened very quickly. So I love that about it, yeah. I love that. I, I, I feel like it really dissolves a lot of the tension I have when I watch movies of, shit, I need to make videos about every Same. single movie I watch. You know, that's a kind of a sexual relationship that we have, almost, I would yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like a tension Same. that builds up, and then we, we have to come together and do this thing that then <laughs> just lodges that tension. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny. Yeah. Like, no, it's it's not often that way with art and collaboration. I always think there's this, you know, orgiistic aspect to improv and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I love that. I think that there's there's something about um, this sort of direct expression of sync. See, that's the thing. And it's just that. I think that conversations about sync are uh, the key. Like I couldn't, I could not, I couldn't make a video like this where I'm just talking on my own about Sonic. I know, I know, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Jung Uh, writing all these books by himself. You know, (laughs) I'm amazed that he was able to do any of it to like straighten it out into a line like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was a crazy good writer. People don't give him <laughs> enough credit. I think they tend to think he's bad at writing, but it's no, it's just that he's talking about something 
uncommunicable in language. And he, yeah. it, it sets up such a problem, you know. Um, mm. He's doing a great job holding it all together in text, I think. But, but yeah, I really agree. Like, it's yeah. much better to talk about it. it. It lends itself better to this circumambulatory thing. Mm. Or to do a book like how you did it, to just write little fragments <laughs> and put it together, you know? Um, yes. I think that's part of what excites me about the idea of making this game is I can mm. put mist style books in it that just have like a chapter of readable text and the rest is not accessible to the player. So it, ah. it implies that these books are bigger than they are. You know, I can just write kind of the highlights and the cool parts and forget about the rest. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I you love need that. To actually, like, yeah. Fake authors and like fake table of contents, like imply a little bit of the structure of like what the rest of the book might be. Like you can have a lot of fun with it. I'm excited. Yes. Make <laughs> un unfinished artifacts. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, totally. Totally. Because <laughs> to be honest, that's the way I, I read Jung. I have not read Mysterium Cunyontionis like from cover to cover. Like I couldn't even imagine attempting to do that. You know. Yeah. 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 The the only text I really did that with was Psychology and Alchemy. And the red book, but that's like a storybook that's different, you know. Mm. Um, but so, yeah, if I'm going to write academic stuff, I might as well just <laughs> completely non-linearize it. Because I also, I don't think I'm, I'm going to be able to do it in any other way. Like, I don't have the space in my life to actually write the huge linear screed like that, probably. I feel like a game could come together quickly, though, once I'm a little proficient with game engines and stuff. Because I already have yeah. so much of this stuff. I've got all this music, I've got all this art, I've got little bits of text I've written, I've got all this video. I just am kind of thinking of making a space with puzzles to contain all of that. It's like a temple Dude. and a gallery kind of, you know, for my work. I don't know. Man, it would be so cool if you were like an Atrus style character where you talk. <laughs> yeah, I want to no? do that. <laughs> yeah, I want to write and oblivion it up. Like, like, like there's going to be like doors where like, like I appear on a little video screen like to like <laughs> tell you like, something or you know etc i don't know yeah <laughs> that'd be cool and like if if you i i've always thought it would be so cool if i had a minimum command of 3d to like recreate movie sets in 3d very simply very basically oh yeah i know like make make just a yeah <laughs> a very simple like hellraiser attic but well yeah exactly i want to do stuff like like i really want to have a section of the game where you're or maybe it's interspersed throughout the game, but occasionally you unlock a room that's like a temple to a specific film or like a shrine to a specific film. So yeah. within this temple, there are different rooms that are all about particular movies. And like, exactly, like the Hellraiser room would be in the attic, you know? And like <laughs> exactly. in that attic, I would put like gold frames on the wall showing 9-11 image matches from the movie and like a sculpture in the middle of, of, of like... Like, I would probably take that weird sculpture from Hellraiser 3 that looks like the Twin Towers that JP yes. encounters in the Pyramid Gallery, you know, and put that in the attic in the middle with a spotlight on it or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah. it doesn't even need to look, like, accurate to the movie attic. It could just be some, like, 3D attic. But as long as it... Yes. As long as it sets it up as this is the Hellraiser room in some way, you know? It's it's all good, I think, yeah. And it's crazy because, like, I think that people would enjoy that, like, um, as in non, non. I know it's so painful that way. I'm like, oh yeah, I could, I could, we could really get these drugs into some other kids. <laughs> I like Joe Pesci. <laughs> exactly. 
motherfucker. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'll make a video game. Kids will play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited. I think it might be one of those things that I could never monetize, sadly, because I of course I want to put in huge quotes from all these movies. I want like video uh paintings on the walls that just loop little segments from Back to the Future and stuff like that. Yeah. See, that's something that's cool as well, because I imagine it as a pre web two artifact in that mm. maybe the only totally. way you'd be able to share it is by uploading it to your own personal site because no i know one... exactly it, it ought to be that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i almost wish it was something you had to play off like cd roms just for the nostalgia you know that's stupid oh man stupid. yeah <laughs> but maybe something you could put on a weird sd card wouldn't it be cool that like if i ever complete this thing like put it on sd cards and then like put some get some cool stickers made for them or something and then just kind of like throw them around Brooklyn, just like hide them under rocks, like put them in subway yeah. stations. <laughs> you would like get this thing and open it up and be like, what the holy fuck is going on here? Like I found Whoa. this SD card in a subway station. I put it in my computer and now I'm in a subway station that then bridges <laughs> into a 3D world. 